Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. everybody. How are you doing today? Maitseep Khan here, and you are tuning in to FinTech Fridays. Today, I have... Okay, I know I say this every episode, but I actually do have a really incredible guest today. Um, I have Bryce Pinot from Commercial Passport. And Bryce pretty much is on the forefront of all the regulation tech and all of the blockchain KYCs that are going to be, are going to be hopefully implemented in the next 18 to 24 months that are going to help either investors or aspiring investors. Bryce, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I know you're super busy. This means, oh, this means the world. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here and uh, help sort of share what I understand about the industry and where I think it's going and what people should expect to be doing and what the future kind of looks like for the space. So could you, I guess for the audience, tell us a little bit about who you are and essentially what Commercial Passport is? Sure. So I'll start with who I am. So my name is Bryce. Um, The company is called Commercial Passport and Um, sort of like what you might guess by the actual name. The idea behind our business is that entities and companies should have a passport just like an individual has, right? The difference is that it's a commercial passport. It's a digital ID or identity that basically verifies who you are as a business. So there's sort of different categories of KYC or KYB. Some are, you know, know your customer and some are know your business. We're obviously sort of more focused on sort of the complex legal entities that need this ID. And so that could be you know, mutual funds, it could be sovereign funds, it could be hedge funds, um, banks, you know, wealth management arms, so on and so forth. Anywhere where there's sort of an offshore component or sort of a complex environment, that's sort of who we're looking to help the most. Those people who have you know, very complex ownership structures um, where there is an sort of unidentified need for um, analyzing all those relationships and then which documents you need from which people based on the jurisdiction that you're in. So that is essentially the problem that we're tackling. Uh, Could you, I guess, touch base a little bit more of why is focusing on regulation, like regulatory tech so crucial for businesses, like be it in just the regular fintech space, or even if they are in the blockchain space, why is either understanding regulatory tech and looking into regulatory tech, why is that important? Well, I guess you, you have two ways of thinking about it. One is sort of from like the legal, legislative, regulatory, jurisdictional perspective, which is mostly about staying in compliance and, you know, not getting, you know, slapped with fines or fees or getting caught doing something you're not supposed to be doing. So from that perspective, it's more about avoiding pain than anything else. But then the other perspective is sort of about being, um, I guess you could say, forward thinking or forward minded or futuristic. And that is sort of hopefully what we want to inspire in the people that we work with. It's not just the fact that, you know, we're thinking about solving these, you know, problems that are regulatory based that are becoming more and more complex for sort of each line of business that you might associate KYC with. For example, you know, typically it was only for, you know, large uh, corporates who had all this sort of complex stuff that they need to submit. But now you have, you know, things in real estate that are coming up and insurance, even in the medical world, this is sort of slowly coming up as well. So you have this creeping um, sort of KYC expansion that's reaching and touching these other industries that weren't necessarily always affected by it. You know, we see that now with ICOs and sort of other sort of token offerings. So with that happening, we want people to think about, okay, how do we solve this in a way that's kind of frictionless in a way where 
we do some work up front to create this digital identity, right? This commercial passport. And then from there, you're now being able to use that interchangeably with sort of a whole host of different businesses who you might do business with. And I think that's what we want people to sort of be aware of is not just reducing the pain, but actually being proactive about what it means to work with other people so that you're not stuck in this, you know, world of uh, Excel spreadsheets and PDFs and emails and sending faxing paperwork, you know, back and forth, which is still what happens today. I, I totally agree with you. You don't want to be stuck in that little purgatory of Excel sheets and emails, right? It just, it just, <laughs> it just time and energy that's getting wasted and not being input in your business to make you as incredible as you aim to be, right? So, well, it also prevents you from being proactive in your job, right? If you think absolutely. about all, doing all this paperwork, you're, you're now focused on, oh, what do we need right now? Or let's not get caught being behind on work versus we have what we need. Let's be proactive about how do we manage our relationship with our clients? And also, how do we see modern ourselves, right? You know, how do you feel if someone's managing a fund of, let's say, you know, $10 billion and they're still asking you to fast stuff over? That doesn't really seem quite current, does it? You know, let's say you have some of the best you know, traders in the world or whatever who are executing some incredible investments on your behalf using all kinds of, you know, sort of crypto slash, you know, algorithmic analysis of different things. That seems quite, quite cool and high tech, but how does that sort of relationship juxtapose itself to, you know, saying, hey, we still need to send this document through a PDF or an email or through a fax, right? That just seems kind of, uh, of a mismatch. It's not as efficient and fast paced as it really should be, right? And that's the, pretty much the whole purpose of being in financial tech and being in the blockchain space. It's like, hey, we want to be as fast. We want to start moving in microseconds when it comes to these things, right? Exactly. What does blockchain KYC look like? So I guess there's, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about it. But for us, we're, we're using just the business application of blockchain. So we're not necessarily creating any kind of you know, new uh, currency or anything like that. And we're not necessarily taking people's IDs and putting them on the blockchain. What we're doing essentially is gathering the necessary documents for you know, all of the due diligence and sort of the compliance checks that people might have. But instead of publishing these IDs on the blockchain, what we're doing is we're publishing a hash of these documents so that there's a, a ledger, there's a chain of custody of all these documents somewhere that says, hey, these, these documents have integrity. They haven't been changed. They haven't been altered. They're real. They're the ones that have been submitted by clients, so on and so forth. So that when you have this sort of proof of uh, sort of kind of like you would have like track changes in Microsoft, right? It's kind of like the same idea. The difference is that here is you know that nothing has been changed because it's published. And even though the hash represents the documents, no one has you know, access to the actual document itself. So no one can sort of reverse engineer you know, what that document looks like because it's obviously quite sensitive because it has to deal with you know, personal and sensitive data. So that's kind of how we see KYC fitting with blockchain. We don't necessarily see it as you, know, you need to take people's ID and distribute them across you know, a ledger. We don't necessarily think that that's um, the safest thing to do. But what is safe is to sort of keep a track record of all these super sensitive documents that people want to make sure are valid and they're legal and they've been certified properly. So some of the challenges that KYC may face, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to break this down as, uh, as detailed as I can. Is, Sounds good. Yeah, as the disparity of specification, right? So every bank has their own specifications that they adhere to. Right. Uh, some of them also might be stringent regulations, right? Regulation rules are often changed or often even added more to compliance burdens on banks. 
um, the adverse impact to relationships with customers because banks constantly have to keep hitting up the exact same customers, even though they have the information. It's just, again, it, it comes down to faxing, right? Like, okay, I faxed to one bank, but this other bank wants it, but okay. Right. Right. It just, it just gets so troublesome and then you just get, and you just get really angry. And on top of that, it starts escalating costs, right? I mean, like uh, Reuters even talked about how like onboarding a KYC can increase your cost to like above 18%. Right. And it takes a minimum of like 26 days to completely onboard a customer. Uh, How do you see commercial passport tackling these problems? Well, whether it's our company or, or another company, I think that what you want to give access to is documents that are being updated in real time that are also either changed or sort of um, you know, evolved with the regulation. So like you mentioned, if things change, right, because we know that all these um, new laws come out every year that sort of change the, the gathering or the sort of specification of these requirements. So whether it's our company or someone else's that, you know, these uh, financial institutions work with, what they, what they should want is to make sure that whenever someone sends something, they can send it in real time that can be updated and that can be changed. And another way of thinking about this is if, you know, a document's going to expire, for example, you want to be able to know that and track that. And that sort of helps you stay ahead a little bit of the sort of regulation, you know, nightmare. And the other piece too is, you know, it's kind of lobbying some of the, you know, bodies that sort of decide on these legislative matters, right? Is giving them also the best information that fintech companies have because they actually deal with this on a day-to-day basis and giving them the right information so they can make, you know, informed decisions about what it means to have great data that is actually helpful to both, you know, the people who are supposed to be overseeing these financial institutions, but also for them and for their clients. So what you really want is the synergy between, you know, the government and the fintech companies and the large institutions that are sort of, you know, somewhat being um, sought after in terms of being, you know, uh, compliant and, you know, being, you know, sort of responsible with the way that they're gathering information. So I think whoever it is that's doing this needs to keep that in mind throughout the entire time. And so for us, obviously, that's one of our key priorities and why we see the future for KYC being, you know, in one sort of central location that has these real-time changes and updates that are going to be compliant so that these banks don't get in trouble or so that these financial institutions have exactly what they need without having to do this paper-based chasing. Yeah. And to make sure that like all of they they dot their P's and Q's, right? To make sure that everything is on yeah. the up and up. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. I, mean, you know, I think most people will subscribe to that idea, but it's harder to implement in real life, right? It, it means that people also have to make a mental shift in their mind and say, okay, we understand that we've been doing it this way for 50 years, you know, whether it's through fax or email or PDF sharing or, or whatever, or courier or whatever it might be. So it means that whoever is, you know, leading inside these institutions, they have to be willing to make a decision to say, we understand that this process is outdated and it's not really going to be fit for purpose anymore. And so if they want to, you know, be leaders in that sense, I think they have to come to terms with the idea that, you know, slow solutions are available out there. We're not the only company doing this. But in either case, I think that there has to be a, a sort of a wave of a recognition that this change is coming and that these digital solutions are going to be a part of the future. And, you know, that's led both within the people who are, you know, innovative inside these institutions, but also, you know, from people in government who need to recognize that this is a solution that's actually better for everyone involved. So there's sort of, you know, multiple layers of complexity of, you know, making this push sort of happen. 
but it is going to come one way or the other. And I think it's better to be sort of prepared and proactive about it than just kind of wait and let it take you by, you know, storm when it's kind of too late and you suddenly have to do all these changes and be kind of unprepared for it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think, um, if we start educating some of the lobbyists and make them understand that like, Hey, this is new tech that's coming in. Um, with, without like all the flash and bling, this is exactly what it does. This is why implementing companies like commercial passport and other KYC companies like us, it's going to help just move so much faster. Everything's going to be so much smoother and just going to be so much more ease of use, right? Like every, everybody knows the joke that like government officials and government workers are overworked already. Let's just try to make the jobs a little bit more easier so we can yeah. just start moving and doing things a lot more smoother. That's exactly right. I mean, and part of that, you know, helping people do that is having, you know, a digital version of things that's available to, for example, auditors, right? I mean, I don't know who really wants to sit through, you know, hours of paperwork and scan documents and so on and so forth. You know, if people have this sort of, you know, digital ID or version of a digital passport, then you have something that actually people can look at in a fairly, you know, I guess you could say speedy way to say, hey, this, you know, checks with all the compliance things that these you know, you know, financial institutions are supposed to be doing. So you're, you're also helping, you know, one hand kind of feeds the other all the way up down to the, the value chain of, you know, the KYC world. And I think part of that needs to be taken into consideration while the lobbying happens, right? While the advocacy of this change happens is that this isn't just for the institutions or just for the fintech companies, but it's also for the people who are supposed to be overseeing the process. Yeah, I, I love the uh, one head feeds the other. I know we touched this a little bit uh, prior. So some of the caveats of having KYCs in blockchain is having trusting parties, right? So the trust factor that's built in blockchain, it's very crucial to have to make sure, okay, how do we verify these trusting parties? What what are the checks I have to check off on the checklist to make sure, that, hey, this is, yep, this is Mainstream's bank. This is, I meet all the regulations. Cool, you can move money and move crypto through me. Um, dealing with the nature of blockchain it's itself, right? So we, we have to decide, okay, will blockchain be private? Will it be public? Will it be a hybrid? And just tracking variabilities, right? So, which changes a lot, right? So investors and like people that have stake under 25% in a client's company, that's that's very hard to track because it's such a, it's such a minuscule it amount, right? It's like, so again, how do you, how do you see commercial passport tackling this problem? Well, whether, again, whether it's us or, or another company that does, mm-hmm. you know, things similar to us, part of it is building tech that can help map what you just described out. So, you know, mapping out, you know, who owns the interest and, you know, all all those sort of key things that you need to know to make sure that you're gathering the right documents from all the different entities or individuals. But the other piece that you touched on about, you know, well, you know, how is this trusted and, you know, how does that function within the the greater scope of, you know, the longevity of the of the idea. And I think part of that is making sure that you're choosing, you know, a, a ledger or, or blockchain that essentially, you know, is going to be around for a while, right? And there's different ways of thinking about that. But for us, it's pretty obvious that, you know, the Bitcoin ledger, the public ledger makes the most sense for now. It's the one that's been used. It's one of the ones that has been, you know, sort of sort of patched in terms of any security flaws that it may have. But even the application of it isn't necessarily to, just secure a you know document it's more to secure the variability like you said of a change in the document so even from that perspective we're safeguarding you know the documents and just publishing a hash of those documents so if you're thinking about how you know trust is built in part of it is how you're using the technology it's not just using blockchain and the idea that oh well it's pretty secure right because it's decentralized you can't just be thinking at it from those simple terms it has to also be okay but how does it specifically 
you know, benefit us and our customers? Why do they get a benefit from this? Well, they get a benefit because we understand that they can look at any of their documents being, you know, changed or signed or sent over to anyone without having to expose any real, you know, sensitive data. So I think that's the way that we think about it. Do you have any, do you have any questions you want to, you want to throw in or that you've come up with on the way or? Well, sure. I mean, I think that there, there are more questions for the greater community, you know, people who are either in reg tech or fintech or the KYC side, which is, you know, if you are an innovator in the space and you're trying to help financial institutions sort of see the light and, you know, some of these changes that are coming, I think part of it has to do with asking yourself, how do I make sure that people who are going to be using these kinds of services or products from a fintech perspective, how, how do we make sure we serve them in the best way possible, but that fits current regulation? And there's some really interesting companies that are doing great things out there. I can mention one from the UK called Cube, for example, where they gather all the regulatory changes that happen you know, every day. And they have an ability to sort of source and track all these different jurisdictional changes. And so if you're a company that's in that space, you need to be thinking about how to create partnerships with those kinds of businesses, because not one company can do it all. So a lot of it has to do with integrating and partnering to make sure that when this innovation does happen, we have at least sort of a a cohort of solutions that can coexist with each other, right? So for example, I think in the early days, you know, Salesforce didn't necessarily do everything, but now, you know, there's the Salesforce exchange where, you know, other parties can come in and help build top of what they do. And I think that that's essentially what's going to happen with the KYC space. I think there'll be a couple of big players who will sort of win the sort of core of what KYC, you know, automation can happen for, you know, from the, from a digital perspective, but then there will be other people who can come in and sort of build off of that. And so I think that, the way to do that is to think about how do we best serve the people who are going to be using it and how do we best serve people who need to follow those kinds of laws. So that's just one question I would pose is, you know, how do people think about that and um, how do you focus to make sure that you're, you're serving all the parties that are involved? It was mentioned a couple episodes back, but this whole thing is just, it's a grand experimentation, right? We're just testing and we're learning and we're failing and we're saying, okay, what works, what doesn't work? Okay, what if we service our customers this way? Will this work? Okay, okay, kind of, sort of. We did eighty percent. Okay, well, how's, what's going to get us to the next twenty? How do we? Can we automate a couple spaces here? Can we not? Like, is it an educational factor that we got to throw in? It's all. We're all just like playing with the clay, and hopefully, it molds and something. That's exactly right. That's exactly it. Well, Bryce, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Um, I definitely learned a lot more <laughs> about KYCs than I did. 12 hours ago. So thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Uh, this has been very much educational and I'm very excited to see the journey that Commercial Password is going to embark on and all the other KYC companies. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, they can, if I can be of help in any way, um, whether it's competitors or whether it's institutions or people who just want to know a little bit more about the space and I'm happy to help. Awesome. Uh, what would be the best way to contact you? Would it be through Twitter? Um, Snapchat you? Yeah, I'm just <laughs> I'm just on LinkedIn. It's just Bryce Pinot, B-R-I-C-E-P-E-N-A-U-D, and that's that's the easiest way to get me. Okay, awesome. Bryce, thank you so much again for sitting down with me today. I cannot wait to have you on the show again. Um, Thanks so much for inviting me, and uh, hello to all the listeners out there. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. 
The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.